welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Allison Kittle of Betty and Bo. So welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So, uh, yes, my name is Allison Kittle. I am the owner and operator behind um, Betty and Bow, which is a slow fashion women's wear um, brand located out of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, and then along with running Betty and Bo, I'm also a full-time, um, NICU nurse, which stands uh-huh. for a neonatal intensive care unit nurse. So I have lots on the go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So if you're a nurse and now you're in fashion, like what, what kind of led you to those two, um, very different <laughs> careers? <Yes. laughs> For sure. They're, they're not very relatable, uh, whatsoever, but, um, I have to say it all started, um, when I was younger, I've always been extremely passionate about fashion and design. I think that stems, um, from my mother and my grandmother. Um, and that's what the, um, business is actually named after is, uh, my maternal grandmother, Betty. And then the bow has, um, symbolism, um, just for my mom. And I think like just seeing, um, how much they loved fashion, uh, what they wore that really intrigued me and really just got me interested in the industry. And then, but leaving high school and starting university, (laughs) I did kind of like a complete 180 and went into healthcare. So yeah, my, my adult career didn't start in fashion, but it was just always something that I really loved growing up. And then I went into healthcare and I love helping people and, um, it's, it's, extremely rewarding and fulfilling, but I felt like I was getting to almost like the 10 year mark in my nursing career. And I just felt like this creative passion of mine needed to be explored. Mm-hmm. And I thought now or never, and this was pre pandemic. So before mm-hmm. everything that we had to experience globally. Um, but I just thought, you know, before I get too invested into my nursing career, not that I already am, I really needed to pursue this um, creative passion of mine. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Wow. Yeah. And I bet, I mean, that all having happened pre-pandemic, I bet both the nursing career and trying to start and run a fashion brand during the pandemic was no easy time either. No, I really, I really was a part of two industries that were probably going through. I mean, every industry has gone through such a challenging time during Mm -hmm. the global pandemic, but here I was as a small business entrepreneur, and then also in the healthcare sector, which were just going through immense challenges. And here I was figuring out, um, how to start and run a business, but then also keep up with my nursing career that had only intensified, um, Mm -hmm. during this time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how did you kind of balance both of those and even kind of backing up 
what made you want to start like a brand and go like take the entrepreneurship route to fulfilling that creative passion of yours rather than just having a creative hobby? I think for me, I always felt like I wanted to um, have something of my own, um, own something. Um, I have worked for a lot of different people (laughs) over Mm -hmm. the years, and I thought I really just want to pave my own path and do it on my own terms. Um, Nursing, yes, I still do it full time, um, but I knew even when I started my career, it was never something that I wanted to do full time. A lot of nurses Mm -hmm. have a side hustle or another passion or something that they're doing on the side, but for me, I really... I think once I got the foundation of my nursing career, I really, it just kind of propelled me into, okay, I, I know I can be a nurse. I know I can manage this, but now I really need to pursue, um, pursue, uh, my, my passion for fashion. And I think just as I got older, I've always had like a very simplistic wardrobe and because I wear, you know, scrubs so much of the time, I really just naturally had a capsule wardrobe um, that Mm. I went to of basics. And then I found as a consumer, it was really difficult to just find like, say, a simple piece like a bodysuit that wasn't just like a tank style bodysuit. And I I don't want to say that's boring, but just that didn't have sort of that elevated edge to it um, that you could just simply put a bodysuit and a high-waisted pair of denim together and just look instantly polished. So Mm -hmm. I found as a consumer, it was just difficult to find those everyday essentials that sort of check the boxes of quality fabric um, was, it could be an everyday basic, but then also had what now I call it for Betty and Bo is our signature feminine flair, like just has that additional detail. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I totally noticed that looking at your pieces. Yeah. I think I'm just, I'm a very visual person and I find, you know, when consumers, customers see Betty and Bo clothing, they'll say like, Oh, I love that top. And then the follow-up comment is, oh my gosh, look at that sleeve detail. So, you know, someone might see like a basic t-shirt in front of them, but then those intentional details that I've put into it really elevate a basic piece. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just felt like that was missing. And that's why I started Betty and Bo. It wasn't to create, over-create a bunch of different styles. It was really honing in kind of selfishly Mm -hmm. in my own closet of what I felt like was missing and that I could easily mix and match and always feel like confident and beautiful going out, but really have that simplicity behind it and not have to overthink how to pull together a really polished outfit. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think like you did a really great job of that focus. Like I can see it in your collection, like very defined, like what you're going for. And that's something that I see a lot of new brands not doing so great at is they do try to kind of throw a bunch of design ideas into one collection or, um, and don't kind of have a clear, like it's harder to design simple almost than it is to over design and overthink. Absolutely. The creative aspect. I completely agree with that statement. Absolutely. Yeah. So for you, um, kind of what, 
you you kind of saw this need in your own closet and then you came up with this very focused like like you said your feminine flair that you've added to the basics was that really the inspiration for the pieces and for the collection or were there other things that kind of inspired the designs or inspired the the process of creating this I think the foundation of the brand started in my own closet. And when I really thought about, um, you know, my own style, it's very simplistic. I think we all sort of maybe try the seasonal trends that are out there. Um, but at the end of the day, when I looked at my target audience, um, which is, you know, my my friends that are around the same age as me, my colleagues, when I just really paid attention to what they would wear on a regular basis, it was, they would sort of wear their same styles that they truly loved. And they were always in a neutral or muted tone. Um, the odd time you would see a pattern stripe something in someone's closet, but for the most part, you know, even I found as, uh, a consumer going into the store, how oftentimes you hear someone, you know, they're like, Oh, I love that color, but does it come in black? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you hear that, you hear that time and time again. So for myself, starting, um, starting a small business, you are limited. So you really have to hone in on what is your niche. And unfortunately, you know, it's a risk to create a brand anyway, but you have to really hone in. Are you going to stick to your value? For me, it was neutrals and muted tones, or are you going to try a little bit of everything, you know, bold colors, patterns, and see what sticks. But for Mm -hmm. me, um, I just saw from my own closet and then the people around me, um, just what they were wearing. And that really inspired, you know, where to start, um, start the brand from. And so, so with the basics, like you knew it was basic pieces and very versatile colors, um, which goes right along with, I, I know you described the brand as being like a slow fashion brand. Um, was that something that you were interested in or shopped, you know, other slow fashion brands before you started your own? Or did that kind of evolve as you were creating Betty and Bo? I think it was a bit of both, um, to be honest. I think um, I've always been an intentional shopper. So I think the word slow fashion, sustainability, conscious fashion, you're hearing those terms a lot more now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for the most part, they're used correctly. Um, Sometimes they can be a little overused. So I think Mm -hmm. uh, people just have to be really mindful of how they're using them. So before kind of slow fashion became such a sort of a mainstream term over the last few years, I think just looking back at myself growing up, um, I've always been an intentional shopper. I've always, you know, really thought about, do I need that piece? Do I need to add it to my wardrobe? How often am I going to wear it? You know, where am I going to wear it? So I would sort of go through um, that thought process. And before we met for this podcast, I was actually thinking about that. And I thought, you know, before I even really knew what the word slow fashion or sustainability meant, I was already practicing that in, in my own Mm -hmm life. And then when I started my brand, it was really important to me because 
I know these are investment pieces with them being designed and manufactured in Canada. Um, they can be more expensive than going to a fast fashion label. They, they are more expensive. Um, so I really wanted to be um, intentional with the designs that they're classic and timeless and that they can be paired with other styles within the brand, but then also what a woman might already have in their closet or easy pairing options. Um, so I think it, it definitely has evolved over the last couple of years for sure. But I think there was always that foundation of slow fashion and sustainability just in my own buying value. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so are there other things that values that are either important to you or important to Betty and Bo that you've kind of built the business around? Absolutely. So I think, um, just my own character. I think, you know, if someone were to describe me or, or if I were to describe myself, I think I'm, you know, thoughtful. I do things with purpose <clears throat> and I really wanted to, um, transfer that into the brand. So, um, with the silhouettes that, um, that I create, I'm really mindful of, you know, how is this going to look on, you know, a size small body type versus a two X body type. I really, you know, I really wanted to be thoughtful about the process. Um, I really want women to feel, you know, put together and polished and just feel beautiful and incredible when they put, um, on a piece of Betty and Bo clothing. So it's just really important to me that this is, you know, more than a brand, but it's a positive space, um, that really attracts like that thoughtfulness, purposefulness. Um, and there's always intentionality behind everything that I do for the brand. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you mentioned, you know, one of the ways that you kind of put thought and intentionality into it is, um, paying attention to different body types that might be wearing the clothing. Um, are there other ways where that value practically weaves its way into how you run the brand? Um, I would say because we are a slow fashion brand, um, I also think about, you know, we order, uh, small quantities of, of all of our pieces, um, again, just being a small business, but, you know, even as the business grows and evolves, I want to keep that. That's very important to me that it's, it's small quantities. Um, it even extends to our manufacturing processes that I manufacture about four hours away from where I'm located so that I'm very hands-on in the entire process. Um, all of the fabrics, you know, are, chosen and it, it takes months and months to choose the appropriate fabric mm -hmm. for styles. Um, even right down to the packaging, everything is an in, is intentionally done that it has that simplistic feel of the brand and everything is environmentally friendly. So I think it's just going back to that conscious fashion brand of it starts with the design and then it ends with the order going out the door that every single um, stage is, is intentional that it's low waste. I think we, you know, we're now in a society that, um, people are realizing that we need to, um, consume less, buy less, buy with more intention, mm -hmm. put, you know, our money into 
some form of an investment um, piece that's going to last longer. Um, and I, I definitely start to see that shift um, in fashion over the last couple of years. Yeah, me too. And I think the pandemic kind of helped with that when everyone was really kind of reevaluating, like, what do I care about in life? You know, what am I really wearing? And there, you know, many people's kind of lifestyles or if they were going into work or not changed too. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the pandemic brought on so much hardship and challenges, but it really gave us all a perspective of what's important. And that that even comes down to what we're wearing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think a lot of people realize that that uh, loungewear and pajamas and sweatpants like can get old after a while. And so um, absolutely <laughs> like we, we need those little details that make it more special than just whatever we have. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so you talked about looking for the perfect fabrics. I know that's always a challenge for brands is finding the right fabric, especially in um, kind of today's <laughs> economic environment with, you know, shipping delays and, and fewer kind of mills and places to look for. So I'm curious, one, uh, what are kind of the must-haves that you look for when finding the perfect fabric? And then two, what, like, how do you go about finding those? Um, so I work with um, an incredible technical designer. So um, between the two of us, um, we're usually uh, researching for uh, different um, fabric suppliers uh, within the country that we're, we're able to use. So I usually start there. Um, for me, I think it just starts at like a very simple statement of I, regardless of what the, the style, the silhouette is. So whether it's a top or a dress, I want it to be comfortable. And I just know certain fabrics that are not comfortable. <laughs> we mm -hmm. have, you know, there are so many women that, you know, buy a piece of clothing for an event, but they're fidgeting in it all night because mm -hmm. it's just comfortable for whatever reason. So, um, I really love like a bamboo blend fabric. Um, that's what yeah. our top is made out of. And each time a customer feels the top in person, they can't believe how soft it is. And then just, you know, with washing and wearing, you know, it just gets that much softer. So I really try and look for um, sustainable, eco-friendly fabrics. Um, I really try and prioritize those first and see if, um, if it will be a good fit. Um, I know some designers will have a design in mind before they have the fabric, uh, mm -hmm. chosen or vice versa. You have a fabric in mind and then your design comes afterwards. Um, I've worked in both <laughs> scenarios, um, depending on what I've been designing. So for me, it really, yeah, it really starts with making sure that it's a comfortable fabric. Um, and I find the fabric suppliers that I've worked with um, are actually quite educated and knowledgeable when you're asking, you know, this is my design, this is what I'm looking for. Um, and they're able to, you know, recommend certain blends and then send the swatches your way. And then, you know, when you're in the sampling process, seeing if it's, um, if it's a good fit, but I would say sustainable fabrics are definitely something that I prioritize and then um, kind of work my way down um, from that. And most of the, the styles that um, are on the Betty and Bo website right now are made from sustainable uh, materials. Nice. 
Yeah, it's really cool. And bamboo is a very soft fabric. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have uh, grown to love bamboo during the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> soft and, and comfortable to wear. Mm-hmm. And kind of cool to the, like, it's cool to the touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just one thing to add um, to your question as well is with Betty and Bo styles, for the most part, I don't want you to only be able to wear them uh, one season. So Mm. the the additional versatility, I'm thinking when I'm choosing the fabrics, I'm thinking, okay, is it breathable and airy and light, you know, during a hot summer day? But then is it also a fabric that you see yourself wearing in cooler temperatures that we're going to be going into now? Um, Mm -hmm. So I kind of think I look at my styles and I think of them as a whole to see, you know, is someone going to wear them throughout the year rather than just uh, during a certain season? Yeah. And I bet with the pieces and with the more um, kind of core neutral colors that you have that they really are versatile for multiple seasons and to wear with different outfits in your wardrobe already. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, with that, are there other things like when you're, when you're designing the pieces themselves, like the styles themselves that are your must-haves, like you've mentioned kind of comfort and kind of seasonless versatility, um, is there anything else that you are are always keeping in mind when you're designing new pieces? Yes, um, functionality, mm-hmm. 100%. So um, to elaborate on that, I always want to, uh, specifically for um, a top or a bodysuit or a dress or a jumpsuit, um, I always want a Betty and Bow piece to be bra friendly. So whether it mm. is strapless bra friendly or wearing your regular bra with straps, um, I always want all of the pieces. So even the shade bodysuit that has the back bow detail, people may look at that and think, oh, I can't wear a bra with that. But I purposefully placed the bow so you could wear a strapless bra with that design. Mm. So it just comes back to thinking of, when you're a woman and you're out and about, the worst feeling is having to fidget and, you know, not feel confident and comfortable in what you're wearing. So, you know, starting with your undergarments, being mm-hmm. able to wear a bra, you know, it sounds so easy, but I just want to make sure that all the styles, a woman can just slip it on and feel confident in what they're wearing. So functionality is huge. Um, And for me, when I designed the Sadie slip dress, um, I purposefully put um, tie adjustable straps on it rather than a slider strap or just um, a sewn strap itself, because women have all different bus sizes. And with mm-hmm. the cowl neckline, I wanted to give women the opportunity if they wanted to have a lower cut at their bus, they could by adjusting their straps, or if they wanted to have more coverage, they had that option as well. Um, so it's not even just being able to wear, you know, a bra with the clothing, but it's, you know, again, for different body types, different shapes and sizes, having the tie straps or the adjustable straps or having a zipper, um, mm-hmm. everything is thought of, um, especially even with, um, one of our newest styles that is out for fall, our kit pant, um, 
I intentionally put an elastic waistband at the back of the, the pant and a zipper closure and button on the side, because again, you're thinking of women that, you know, um, have curves and every woman is shaped differently. And again, you're just thinking of the functionality of like putting the clothing on and off. I mean, someone just looking mm-hmm. at a pair of pants wouldn't think that, but me as the designer, I, I think those things to really just make someone want to wear that piece over and over again, because they feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, those are all great ways to, to really, it sounds like you've used the functionality as part of the design too. Like, it's not like, oh, this is a boring functional piece or a trendy stylish piece that's not functional like you've really combined the two into each of your pieces in a way that yeah it it really works with lots of different uses and you can wear it kind of wherever and not have to worry about oh what bra do I need to wear with this or can I wear one or you know what if I'm like traveling or moving around or yeah Yes, for sure. And it just goes back to, you know, what do women already have in their wardrobe? Well, generally most women have a strapless bra, so it might not, it might show your straps, but a lot of women tend to have a strapless bra. So it's not then going out and buying an additional piece Mm -hmm. to then be able to wear a Betty and Bow item. So it just goes back to that conscious fashion, um, value that again, you know, someone may not think of, but that thought is there for me um, when I'm putting out a style for our brand. Mm-hmm. So cool. And when you're doing all of that, like, is this something that where you're, you're just thinking of like, what are the challenges that you have at, as you're designing or are there ways, like, are you trying them on the pieces on different women and seeing like what their questions or challenges are or yeah. How do you do kind of that customer research in the design phase to, to make it functional for all these women? I do. Yes. So um, I usually start uh, with my, my own size in the sample. And then I do Mm -hmm. have various sizes um, try the items on so that then I know um, what needs to be perfected, what needs to be tweaked um, because I'm sure, as you know, whenever you make one sample, it never comes out perfectly the first time mm-hmm. um, in the process. Um, so definitely, I uh, I really try and make sure that um, different size women are trying on the clothing because it, it looks different. No person is the same. So it looks different on everyone. Um, and I just want to make sure that, that the fit, it just comes back to feeling beautiful and not, and feeling confident and not feeling insecure because of how something fits. Um, so that's definitely been a priority of mine. Um, because why put something out if it's not going to, you know, be a great fit, um, for multiple Mm -hmm. sizes. I'm all for that as a pattern maker. (laughs) Like, I feel like my job is to make things fit in all sizes and, and make it, make the, beautiful design functional as well. So I love that. And that's very challenging. And and I commend you because that is, it is no easy task. (laughs) It is a challenge sometimes, but I think it's a, it's a fun challenge. It's like a puzzle. It is. Put it together. (laughs) I would describe it too. It's definitely a puzzle for sure. Mm -hmm. 
So you mentioned that you, you know, work with a technical designer and that you're, um, you, you manufacture and produce the clothing like four hours from you. How did you get connected to the, are there, are, I guess, first of all, are there more people kind of like on your team that you work with? And like, how did you get connected to those people? It seems so long ago now. (laughs) (laughs) How, um, I guess, you know, it was probably about three or four years before, um, I even launched, um, Betty and Bo that I got started with, um, my business plan and really building the foundation for the brand. So Mm -hmm. in doing that, I just started researching, um, manufacturers in Canada because I knew I wanted to always manufacture locally, um, to be as hands-on as possible and, and really be able to, to communicate, know who I was communicating with. Not that you don't know with overseas manufacturing. I think there's just, there comes more difficulties with that. Um, yeah. so, so through reaching out to, um, the Canadian manufacturing community, which is quite amazing. Um, I found, you know, I connected with different manufacturers. They weren't necessarily what I was looking for, but within that Mm -hmm. community, they then connected me, um, to, uh, ones that I have ended up working with. And then through that, um, I did find, um, my technical designer that I work with as well. Yeah. So you found that people are very open to giving referrals or, you know, kind of sharing their knowledge or their, their contacts in their network and, and kind of being helpful and supportive in that way? I think so. I think you have to ask the questions. If you, if you don't, then you're not going to get the answers you're looking for. And I think you just, with, you know, with anything, but especially with running a small business, you have to be patient. So, you Mm -hmm. know, it, like I said, it was quite a few years of a process before I really even established my final business plan before launching the Betty and Bo brand. So, you know, if I, if I connected with one manufacturer, it really wasn't anything I was looking for. Um, rather than just ending that conversation, um, I would ask them, you know, if they had, um, a contact that was sort of something that closer to, to what I was looking for. And then people are really open and supportive and you really just have to take the time. It's, it's, it is hard work. Um, mm-hmm. put a lot of research into it. Um, but I do find, yes, the, the community is, is really supportive. You just have to put yourself out there and, and really be willing to ask those questions. Yeah, I agree. I think kind of the stereotype of the fashion industry is that it's very secretive and competitive and nobody's going to, you know, help each other out. But I found that it's at least maybe the circles that I run in, it's very different. Like people are very, you know, if, you, if you're nice and respectful of people's time and, and the value that they're they're giving to you, that people are very eager to be supportive and, and help each other find really kind of the best fit resource or person for what they're looking for. Definitely. I mean, everyone's time is so valuable, but if they you know, see that you are reaching out to them with a purpose and you're not wasting anyone's time. I think everyone has been very supportive because I agree with you. There's definitely, um, that cliche that the fashion industry, I mean, sure it is competitive. What industry is not competitive, but, Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, I think 
there, there is room for, for everyone, you know, everyone can bring their own unique perspective to, to an industry. You just have to start. So I think, you know, if you get past the feeling of, you know, I, I want to reach out to someone, but I'm, you know, I'm nervous to do so, you know, if you don't, then you miss out on that opportunity. So luckily um, I have, you know, connected with incredible people and, you know, I, I do find the community, like you said, the circles that I have um, been fortunate enough to be in um, have been very supportive. Nice. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like the fashion industry, especially maybe the slow fashion segment of it is, it's a great kind of place to be in <laughs> a lot of, a lot of cool brands and nice people. Absolutely. And I think it's just, you know, people take um, the term slow fashion and sustainability in, in different ways. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's just open to that. You know, I really, I call the Betty and Bo brand a conscious fashion label because, um, you know, not every single piece of fabric is a sustainable fabric. Uh, for the most part, it is. But as a whole, um, the brand is a slow fashion brand. So I think it's just, yeah, really being supportive of the people within the community and, you know, seeing other people's perspectives and, and yeah, just really supporting each other because, you know, everyone brings a unique perspective um, to the fashion industry. If a lot of brands did not start, you know, they wouldn't be out there today. And, you know, some of the most popular brands, um, you know, if they, if they, if their uh, owners did not start those brands, they wouldn't be here. So when you think of that, it's like, you just have to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that's the hard, I mean, maybe often that's the hardest part is kind of taking the, making the decision to like, go for it. Um, did you find like, was it at all a difficult decision for you to start the brand and jump into an industry that you hadn't kind of formally worked in before? Yes and no. Um, I think because I had at the time that I opened Betty and Bo, and even when I was creating my business plan, I actually just kept, when I started creating my business plan, I actually just kept those thoughts and ideas to myself. I think Mm -hmm my immediate family knew what I was thinking of doing and some of my closest friends, but for the most part, I just worked away on it kind of on the side and then, um, continued to work my nursing career. And at the time I, I did have an established nursing career. So I think the thoughts went through my mind that when I finally did open Betty and Bo, I think those people closest to me weren't surprised because they knew, um, I was always so passionate about fashion sort of beyond, you know, just looking at a pretty piece of clothing. Like I, I really, um, investigated the silhouettes, the textures, the purpose of the design. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it wasn't a surprise to the people closest to me. Um, I definitely felt that imposter syndrome for sure. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I went to university, um, for nursing. I had been a nurse for, you know, eight years by the time I had opened Betty and Bo. And then here I am, um, completely switching over into an industry that I don't have formal training. Um, I think the generation that I'm in, it's quite common for people to have multiple careers, 
um, within, you know, their, their time frame and, um, to switch things up, whether it's within the same industry or try a completely new industry. For me, I didn't want to look at my life and think that, you know, I regretted not starting my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I really commend like the younger generation that, you know, so many young people are entrepreneurs, they're starting, you know, businesses, whether it's product product-based or service-based so young before they've even finished high school or, you know, they're starting in their early twenties. For Mm -hmm. me, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think my nursing career really laid a strong foundation for me that then going into um, opening a business, um, a lot of skills are not transferable from healthcare to um, being a fashion entrepreneur but some of them are, and it's, you know, it's those daily, you know, customer service interactions, leading a team, um, all of those things, you know, I don't think I would have had, um, been at, been as strong at, had I not had the foundation of my other career already. Yeah. Those are all great points. So, um, even if you don't think there's transferable skills, like there's always transferable Absolutely. things and experiences and that you've, that you've gained through your career. Absolutely. And then it's just knowing, um, like going into a new industry, you know, as a entrepreneur, I wear many hats. So I'm designing mm-hmm. the clothing. Yes, I'm not producing the clothing, but I do have to oversee the collection development and the manufacturing. And I'm the one choosing the manufacturer and I'm the one choosing the trims and the fabrics. And then I also have a social media marketing team that, you know, I have to manage. And then, you know, I have like wonderful people that, you know, I manage when it comes to photographing the clothing. So having a photographer and videographer and makeup artist mm-hmm. and all of those people, yes, they are all their own small business owners. But when it comes to Betty and Bo, that's my team that I work with um, in various capacities. So I think having um, a career that I have been able to work through the ebbs and flows and challenges, it just really helped when I'm starting this roller coaster mm-hmm. of owning a fashion brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned a little bit of, that you felt kind of imposter syndrome entering into an industry that you didn't have formal training in. How did, I, I think that's a common a very, very common thing. And even for people who have, have experience in the industry that just starting your own business is, can be a big, you know, kind of a big role to fill. It's, it can be intimidating. Um, so do you have any tips for um, maybe somebody else who's feeling that way of how did you move past that and actually start the business and, you know, continue doing that despite feeling that imposter syndrome? I think most importantly, you just have to lead with your intuition. Like what is your gut telling you to do? Um, and when I have not led with my intuition, um, that's when, um, I've come into um, situations that I wish I had have just followed my gut. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, fashion owning something of my own, carving my own path in this industry has always been 
has always been in me. I've always known I've wanted to do that. So if someone is out there and they have something that they're extremely passionate about, because I know passion doesn't always transfer into a career, but Mm -hmm. if they see that, if they really do the work that you have to create some sort of outline, you have to create some sort of plan. Yes, the plan changes, it evolves. But when you really sit down with your thought of like, this is what I'm passionate about, this is what I want to turn it into. I would say then go from there. Like, if your intuition is telling you, like, you really want to pursue whatever that might be, just go for it. I don't think you're ever going to regret in whatever capacity you can. I don't think you're ever going to regret trying something you're going to regret, you know, not doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in whatever industry people just need to go for it, um, and have, and have no regrets because even if you fail, you know, failure at the time, it feels awful, but there is a lesson behind it. And it just, at the end of the day, when you look back on that failure, it's helped you evolve and grow into something more positive. So, I, I would say to anyone thinking of, you know, changing up their career, adding something new in, just go for it. Why not? (laughs) Especially with fashion. It's like, yes, you can go to school for fashion, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of business, you know, like running a business in fashion is a lot of business and it's, you know, it it doesn't require some like art and design and marketing like you said and lots more spreadsheets and I think people realize so like you can you can learn you don't need to go to university to learn that like you can but there are other ways to learn it and pick up those skills and it's you're you know like you said even if you have a plan it'll always evolve and you'll keep learning and it'll keep changing as you're doing it anyway so it's like starting and getting the experience doing it it's probably the best thing you can do to learn it anyway. Absolutely. And learning from those with experience, but again, always trusting your intuition because someone being in an industry for many, many years doesn't, does not mean they are experienced. There's a difference, you know, if Mm -hmm. you want to make sure, like, is that person exceptional at their skill and you want to learn from people like from me, I truly, I said to my nursing colleagues, I feel like I'm a new nurse again, because (laughs) when I started my business, because I was, I was, I was learning from people within the industry. Yes. I had a foundation that I had an eye for style, for quality. There were things that I already knew, but I, you know, you always need to be learning in order to be evolving. And I think that's where you're going to see success in anything that you do. Um, and that's where I know I'm going to see success with Betty and Bo is, you know, learning from those within the industry um, that are exceptional at their skills. That's only going to make the brand better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very collaborative process. It's like, you may know what you want to design, but like you said, asking the opinion of the fabric, you know, mill about which fabrics they think would be best for this design or talking to the factory or your technical designer or your marketing team, like getting the input of the people who are highly skilled at what they do can like, and, and, you know, filtering that through then what your vision is and making sure that it does align with what you're going for, then, you know, that only makes the the product and the brand stronger. Exactly. Absolutely. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you don't even even if you're technically like the only employee in your business, like it doesn't have to be everything on on you to to figure out. For sure. And I think it's just, yes, you feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders, you know, you feel Mm -hmm. that pressure, but it's knowing what to outsource, when to ask for help. You, yes, an entrepreneur wears many hats, but you can't do everything. So it's, you know, it's learning to work with, um, with the people that are right for you. Um, And I feel like I've created that over the last couple of years that, you know, I hold a very high standard for my business and for my brand and the quality of the clothing and the vision behind it that, you know, everyone that I work with um, are exceptional at what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful to have that, that group of people in that community, uh, like around you and your brand. Mm-hmm. So I'm also curious, how do you balance being a full-time nurse with running a brand? Because they both are full-time jobs, I feel like. <laughs> they are. I do. I have two full-time jobs. And the word balance, I feel like it's such a loaded word. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess, how, how do you structure <laughs> your time <laughs> to yeah, do both? It's, um, you know what, it's, I don't think anyone does it perfectly. I think I just learn how to, um, prioritize my time. You have to take it day by day, week by week. And unfortunately my nursing career, it's not a traditional schedule. So I know I'm not home, you know, Monday to Friday, every evening. So it's not that I have evenings and weekends to work on the brand. It's, you know, it's full-time shift work. So my laptop goes everywhere with me, you know, at four in the morning, Uh, on a night shift, I'm also working on Betty and Bo stuff. And, you know, prior to our fall winter launch, I was revamping the website, you know, in the middle of the night, but no one would know that, but those are just, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I have to, you know, just go with the schedule as it is right now. And I know what I need to make a priority. And I just, you know, look at my day by day and week by week of what I have coming up and, Um, luckily I have a very supportive group around me, um, that is extremely helpful, but I think it's just, you know, it's a lot of hard work and you just have to be prepared that, uh, it's going to be extremely challenging. You're going to experience a lot of anxiety and burnout and as wonderful it is, as it is to have, you know, two amazing careers, it's it's not without, um, some struggles. So I, yes, I, I feel like I work all of the time, but I, I do love what I do. I, I absolutely am so invested and love Betty and Bo, but I also love being a nurse. So Mm. I, you know, I would say my balance is, you know, some weeks are better than others that I feel like, okay, I was able to breathe. And then sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm just on this, constant (laughs) running a marathon that hasn't quite ended. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's just, I I'm a very organized person luckily. So I feel like I'm able to get through. I love lists. I work off a lot of lists. So I love my to-do lists, um, and my calendars and somehow I just, you know, I managed to get it all done. (laughs) Yeah. Well, congrats on that. Cause that that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole, um, challenge in itself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I'm outside of kind of that, um, maybe like what is maybe one of the biggest challenges that you've encountered running your brand so far? And you've had it for, did you say launched in 2019? So it's been three years, four years? Um, I launched the end of 2020. So okay. we're coming up on two years um, in November. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question, Allison? <laughs> yeah. So in, in these past two years, what has been the biggest challenge in running Buddy and Bo? I think it goes back to your previous question of just finding um, the balance to um, grow and scale the brand. Um, mm. As I have another career that I'm responsible for being a part of and showing up. It can feel at times like I'm, I'm feeling like there's not enough time to uh, get everything done in the day that I want to for Betty and Bo, or I'm just, you know, accomplishing, you know, a task. And then I feel like I have to stop because then I have to go and work my other job. So I, I think it's seeing the potential for the brand where I want it to go, where I know it can go and the dreams and goals I have for it, but then feeling that limitation right now, um, in the position I am with the capacity I am in, in my other career. Um, I don't always want it to be this way, but I think it's just feeling that limitation and then just feeling, remembering that I am the operator of this brand, but I think I just don't want to let myself down. So I think mm -hmm. that's how I have felt over the last couple of years. It's, because this brand, um, was a passion of mine and no one else's, I think it's just not feeling like at the end of the day that I could have done more. Mm. Um, so right now at times I do feel limited, but then I look at the brand as a whole and how much has been accomplished in two years. Um, and I have to remember like those successes and those challenges and, you know, working through a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, remember that maybe those limitations, maybe just my expectation is too high. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an ongoing process, I would say, but it's definitely just feeling like there's so much I want to do for Betty and Bo, and maybe not having the capacity all the time to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I totally can relate to you there because I think, you know, being a small business owner, it's you can always do more and nobody's telling you to like, okay, it's time to clock out now. Like you're done. You know, like there's always more to that you could do. And so, yeah, it can be a challenge to say, you know what, this is enough right now, or this is all I have time to do. And that's okay. Um, sure. There's no shut off button with a small business. You wake up, right. <laughs> you think about it all day long. Even if you're working all day on your business, you go to bed thinking about it. It's just something that's constantly on your mind that I think entrepreneurs can relate to one another too, regardless of their industry. Whereas, you know, say my other job, for the most part, I leave work at work and mm -hmm. then you know, live the rest of my life. Whereas Betty and Bo is intertwined in every, <laughs> mm -hmm. every part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so on the flip side, what is one thing that you're most proud of or most excited about for Betty and Bo? I think what I'm most proud of is, um, 
the connections that I have made over the past couple of years. When mm. I think about if I had not started this brand, the people that I ha- would not have had the opportunity to meet thus far, um, to know that, you know, I've shipped my clothing across Canada into the States to know that someone in Portland is wearing Betty and Bo, or to know that someone in Vancouver is wearing Betty and Bo is just like an incredible feeling to know that like something I designed and had manufactured something, somebody wanted to spend their money on one of my pieces and, Mm -hmm. you know, complete stranger, I've never met them before. And then to get, you know, such incredible feedback, you know, about how the clothing made someone feel or an event that they wore it to, and they received so many compliments. Um, or last week I had, um, a woman reach out to me and just wrote me such a, a quick and lovely message to say, like, you're an inspiration to women everywhere. Mm. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Those are like you the know. best notes when you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I think like, um, those days that it seem like you're struggling and you're like, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, everything seems to be a challenge. Then when you, you know, get that positive review or you see an order come in from a place you've never been to or a place you've never heard of, um, or just to know that I've made an impact, um, on someone like that is truly like so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I bet. Yeah, that's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. So I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Oh, that's oh, just one word. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't um, have to be one word, I guess. <laughs> Some people are, it's like one concept or one, like what they want the clothes to say. You know what? I would probably say confidence because I feel like confidence is an umbrella for so many more positive qualities for a woman Um, Mm -hmm. to feel empowered, to feel strong, to feel beautiful, to feel thoughtful, to feel purposeful. So I would say, I would say confidence. Yeah. I'm like that. Um, I, I kind of lean into that one a lot too, with what I do. So I love the answer. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Well, this has been so fun, Allison, to talk to you and hear more about your story and Benny and Bo. Um, Where can people find out more about Benny and Bo online? So you can shop Betty and Bo at bettyxbo.com or .ca, depending if you're in Canada or um, worldwide. Um, And you can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and TikTok, all at bettyxbo. Wonderful. I'll include links to those in the show notes so people can connect with you and see what you're doing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.